Hello everyone and welcome to episode 84 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, on the eve of the mini SNES release, Star Fox 2 is good. Finally some news about Shadow of War that doesn't make me and everybody else listening to us sad. FIFA Faux Fum, the great football game review off of 2017 is here and more Red Dead than you can shake a stick at as we talk about the freshly dropped trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2 and our book club takes us back to the start of the saga in Red Dead Redemption. Let's start the show. This is Link to the Cast, episode 84 from your friends over at linktothecast.eu. Available on all your favourite podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan. Joined as I am every single week by, not on the couch this week, but on the armchair. Platform Prodigy, that is Mark Robinson. Mark, it's all gone topsy-turvy here. Yeah, I'm the monster in the role this week. Uh, indeed. Uh, usually... When I come down here, you, you, you're done. When, when you sit in the armchair when you're working. Yeah. And when I come down later, you've migrated to the couch. So the armchair has pretty much always been where I sat for this. At this time. This, I think this is only my second cast ever on the couch. I did a couple with Brian on the couch when, you know, the microphones are too directional for us to... Did you want to be a big boy? Apart. Did you want the big chair? I can't remember. I, I, I genuinely, like, because it's been what, a year and a half since he was regularly on the show now at this yeah, point. Yeah, that. Um, I can't remember why he would sit very close to me. I remember that, which was a little bit disconcerting. At I mean, I would. Yeah. Well, look, you know, you're only human. Yeah. How was your week? Uh, it was fine. I went back to the West at the weekend. The West went to the West. Had lamb. Well, it was the southwest. Uh, no. Um, Ennis is like middle west. Uh, put it this way, geographically, you may be somewhere in the neighbourhood of cor- of correct. When you're in Ireland and you say the West, Clare doesn't count. Oh, is that like when I say the North, I mean everything yeah, yeah, past yeah. Milton Keynes? The, the, right. the West, okay. as far as Ireland is concerned, is basically like uh, Galway, Mayo and Sligo. Right, okay. <laughs> Clare is kind of like Southwest with Limerick. Right, right, right. Um, okay. But yeah, you're in Clare. Yeah, it was just a, a nice little weekend away. I mean, Anything interesting happened? Uh, I mean, I s- survived a car crash, so... <laughs> You know, I, to be honest, I've completely forgotten that even happened. You didn't tell me like a day after you got back. Yeah, well, <clears throat> honestly, right. So, I mean, in fairness, it was quite a nasty accident. Um, yeah. Now, it, my... it, bear, it, <clears throat> it, it bears repeating that in Ireland, when you get outside major towns, the roads get fairly thin, windy, and um, there's a lot of blind corners going on. So that's this... the context for this story. Well, that's pretty much all of those. Yeah, we were going <laughs> up to the, the Cliffs of Moha, is it? Moher. Moher, sorry. Um, really kind it's of go for that very H soft H. H. You, don't, yeah. you don't not pronounce the H, but it's a very soft H. Okay, Cliffs you can give, give a take. Um, we was going up towards there, and uh, my friend, Dylan, who was a friend of mine that I made in China, who recently got back from teaching in Dubai, uh, we and two of his friends were going up, there and he had a I think it was a Volkswagen Polo and I should put that in the past tense because that car is uh, <laughs> he no has a Volkswagen yeah. Polo uh, he he was giving a, just a little bit of oomph to get it up the, the hill because you know yeah. 
the, the poor girl was was straining, but we've come round a blind corner. Oh yeah, that's that's the other thing about roads inside major towns is they go up and down for almost no reason. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we came in a blind corner and basically there was a big old why this fucking American couple for a start had a people carrier right? There was two of them. That's the first <laughs> question. But um, your man in the other car in this big Volkswagen people carrier has clearly his idea was like to kind of go at the middle and then kind of come around the corner and like get onto the street as quickly as possible. Um, But yeah, he was basically in the middle of the road and um, Dylan's reaction times are spot on because he slammed on those brakes, but Mm -hmm. we still went headfirst into them. Um, No major injuries. Dylan's wrist was a bit banged up by the bit of discoloring on a finger but other than that it was was that from like giving them the finger afterwards no i i just put my hand forward instinctively and got an airbag um for the trouble but we all had a seat belts on you so were, were you a passenger seat were you i was in the passenger seat yeah but safety first all had seat belts on mm-hmm. um and then in my i've played too many video games moment because uh, we were in the accident i and because the airbag stay still under your health replenished no no <laughs> Um, I am. I immediately smelt smoke. Oh uh, yeah, which was obviously from the airbags going off. Now I've never been in an accident with the airbags gone off before. I've only ever been in one accident, and it wasn't a particularly. It was a particularly mild one, so there was no airbags. This one, they both went off. I smelt smoke. I immediately thought, "Oh my god, the car's about to set on fire!" Because you know I've played one too many fucking GTA games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I flew off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've I have you know press L two and R two to roll it over. Mm-hmm. So I've just instinctively told everyone just get the fuck out of the car uh which kind of put the the other three in a bit of a blind panic um you know i was the oldest one there so trying to you know (laughs) be the responsible one but yeah i i got us all out of it um and we're all just like what in the fuck just happened um but yeah so we're all fine the the car had like just a mass indentation like the bonnet was all kind of fucked up um Folded like crap paper. Yeah, I mean, we actually ended up... The car did start when we got it back to um, the house, but it's one of those, like, it's going to cost more to fix it than it is just to buy a new one. There, people carry it, like, not scratching it at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, police officer. It just, it just hit your car like in the in the way that like you know most modern cars are built. What are called these like crumble zones or yes, impact zones, yes. where if it hits somewhere straight on, the car is designed to crumble up rather than because it could be a lot messier if it doesn't give. Yeah, I think it's just the, the wider surface area of the car yep. as well helps. Um, but your man who the police officer who came and and just like took all the details down, who was. Uh, you could clearly tell, like, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I wanted to be doing with my job, <laughs> dealing with these fuckers every single day. I was day. waiting in the station for PJ to bring the Supermax in. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, look, I'm not going to I'm not gonna say anything, because it's not my job to, but, you know... It's another like, Irish trope, by the way. All guards are called PJ. How is it? Man or woman. Okay, I don't think this one was. <laughs> but he's like, I'm not going to say anything, right? But there's four of you in your car... And, you know, young adults, so I should point out, two of the, the guys of us were in track suits. So, yeah. you know, jogger bottoms, that didn't help. Um, and so it's like, don't want to say anything. I'm surprised it didn't breathalyze any of us, but, you know, whatever. Um, not that any of us have been drinking. Um, so I don't know what the, the deal with that is. Um, sorry, Dylan. I hope your car's okay. Apparently, I'm the reason he bought a PS4. Because he was listening to our show last year. I don't oh. know if he still does. Oh, so. was, you didn't do what I did to Brian. Uh, no, I, don't know, no. I don't know if I ever said that I did that on this show before. I'm not sure. Brian bought his PS4 because I turned around to Brian. He was saying he wasn't going to buy a PS4. Yeah. 
but he wanted one. And I said the words, but you're only a PS4 away from owning a PS4. Mm. And he bought one immediately. I will say this. By the end of the weekend, Dylan was looking at Switches. So I don't know if he's bought one, but he was kind of like... Uh, Friend of the show, Ben Cavan is buying one now. Oh, yeah. Because he came into some money. He uh, he won six grand on a bet. Yes, he did. Yeah, um, in the most unfortunate way. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> he was one... He was one goal off 250k or 200k. Oh, man. And the Chelsea scored one more goal than he had predicted, so he got 6k, which is still not bad, but, you know. But he's, uh, yeah, he's getting a switch now. He's not crying. So he's yeah. joining the masses. And I told I specifically told him on behalf of the show that if he doesn't get snipper clips, I'm never speaking to him again. <laughs> so he's he's warned now. And I've told him about the, the new snipper clips coming. Oh, uh, the expansion. With all the bonus stuff, yeah. yeah. So he's going to hold out and get that because he can't find anywhere around us that has a switch funnily mm-hmm. enough christmas is coming mm-hmm. like they, they need to fucking start that out but anyway um but i will say this uh, the, the 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 coolest experience i ever had maybe it's not the right way of putting it but the funniest experience i ever had with someone who had been in a car accident uh, a guy i know from school he basically he came in one day and he was kind of all scratched up and we were like what what the fuck is wrong with you what what happened it's like oh yeah my car's outside it's on its roof <laughs> uh, I have two car accident stories. I was involved in one, um, that that wrecked car, but I was fine, and my my auntie who was driving it was fine. I was about twelve years old, and we were coming out of a car park. There's a car park, uh, beside a churchyard in Nace, and we were coming out of that. And at the same time that we turned out, there was a van that was pulled in on the side of the road, and it didn't look in its mirrors, and it pulled out, and it was a van from a glass company, and have you ever seen the things that carry panes of glass yeah so they're basically like metal grids with Mm -hmm. metal Mm -hmm. rods sticking out of it so they turned out into us and the rod the rod on one of the corners dug into the back of the car dragged along burst the tire and destroyed the rear quarter panel and the rear passenger side door that's a mad max shit that is yeah um so that was that was that and then the other one is a friend of the show tom his da um was once in uh, like a like a six car pileup on the oh, the N7 no. and he he walked over to a pub like he walked out he he just got out of the car when it happened left his car there walked to the the Puchin still as a fairly famous pub along that road walked down there to ring uh his work to say he wouldn't be in and <laughs> his wife uh Tom's mom and uh, they're like, Jesus, Tommy, all right. And he goes, that's ah, his grand. I drove onto a shed once. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, apparently like he, um, back when the the rules of the road were less than strict, uh-huh. um, he, himself and a mate of his uh, were out on some country road and they took a bridge a lot faster than they should have right. and went not only over the bridge, but over a hedge and through a shed. <laughs> So excellent. Did they do a uh, Duke's a Hazard style? I was going to say Man with the Golden Gun car going over. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, let's, anyway. L- let's, let's car accident talk. Shall we talk about some video games? Go on then. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Mark, you've been in space. I have. I have. Metroids. Yeah. Samus Returns on the Samus 3DS. Samus has returned. She has. On the wrong console, but she's returned. Not the return of Samus 
No. Or Samus, as to say it, as one Santina Morella. Um, the Return so, of Seamus. Yeah, The Return of Seamus. I'm going to say that at least once during this review now. Um, so this is a, a remake of the... When did the original... Or when did Metroid 2 come out? I'm guessing... I will, like, I will look it up for you while you're I'm going to say like 89, because uh, Metroid 2 was... No, sorry. Super Metroid was 93, I think? 94? Um, or 92? Somewhere around a fucking time. Um... But it's the it's the Metroid nineteen ninety one. That's one. So it's the Metroid game that you probably haven't played. If yeah, you, it's a you know. it's a remake of a Game Boy game. Yeah, uh, but I'm saying is the Game Boy game is the one that you probably haven't played. Yeah, if you played a Metroid game. Yeah. Um, and so I've I've played about a couple of hours of Metroid Two uh, early this year for the first time. Um, and I can see where it is similar in basically the 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 main focus of the game is, hey, there are a bunch of Metroids, go and kill them. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you have... It's a fairly linear structure. I don't know if it's exactly the same in terms of the way the, the environment is laid out. But you have, you know, your first area, second area, third area, fourth area. And it's all you know, relatively linea- linear. But within each of those stages, it gets a bit more labyrinthine. Labyrinthine, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you have different ways you can go. But the idea is uh, at the bottom of the counter, there are 40 Metroids, it says. Um, and every time you're coming into an area where a Metroid is, it kind of starts to flash up, uh, basically indicating right you're about to come into an encounter with a Metroid. And so for the first... Five or six, they're fairly easy to to deal with. And as you start to pick up uh, e tanks and power ups your weapons, they become easier. But obviously, as you get further in with the Metroids, um, they get bigger, they get badder, they get more annoying, um, and they you know chip away at your health pretty quickly. Um, the major upgrades or the the kind of new features to this game, there's a, a melee or a parry uh, counter attack. Where um, basically just pressing the Y button, uh, Samus has like a, a kind of upward swing. Mm-hmm. And it looks like she's just swatting away a fly, basically. And, you know, half the time you're swatting away these kind of like Zubat-looking motherfuckers. Um, so it's it's kind of quick time-ish, but once you get into the rhythm of it, it um, it's kind of like... I don't know how it works in terms of if you get like more health from them. It does feel like it. I'm not 100%. But it, it kind of has that um, Doom sort of vibe to it where you go in for the kind of close-up insta-kills. And you get into, certainly if you run into a bunch of enemies at once, you get into kind of a rhythm action sort of vibe to it. And the really handy thing about it is if you can hit a parry attack on certainly like the lesser powered enemies, um, if you shoot them straight away like direct hit, it'll kill them straight away. Otherwise it may take like five or six hits. Mm-hmm. So it does give you the incentive to try and use the parry attack at all times. Um, yeah, it, it is a bit dodgy at first and like certain enemies, they tend to kind of like flash like, like a bright light bright white kind of streak before they go to attack which is to indicate right they're going to attack now but some of them are slightly more delayed in when they attack afterwards so you have to you know there's there's a bit difference in the patterns between some of the enemies um but other than that like it's the general formula of right there are secret walls they will require different weapons whether it's a grappling hook or the power bomb or missiles 
Um, you know, there are uh, areas which are a lot hotter, so you need to get the various suit to, to go back to there. Um, you're always trying to keep an eye on areas you've been before that you couldn't progress to. Uh, and what's super handy is obviously it's on the 3DS, you've got the map on the screen at all times, you're not constantly having to kind of go to the main map pressing start, mm-hmm. um, which is always one of the kind of inherent good things about a 3DS is you can always have the map on the screen if you want to. Uh, it does make it a little bit easier for the modern player where you have like one uh, a power-up, which is like a scanner, which scans your kind of close area so you can see like all the secret paths but you might not necessarily know how to get to them um and that's yeah that's about it like it's it's okay um i've i've put about five or six hours in i'd say i'm about just over a third of the way through uh you certainly feel the the progression in difficulty and yeah it's it it feels pretty kind of standard for, for a metroid game other than say the the parry so far mm-hmm. um and like some of the environmental design is pretty cool but i always feel that with a lot of those types of games like even axiom verge they never have that real distinct variety in the environments in the way that super metroid does mm-hmm. you know i always feel like super metroid has that down to a t that all other games that go for the the space or the, the the kind of look and feel of metroid not so much stuff like guacamelee or hollow knight because they definitely certainly guacamelee like all of the areas in that game real have kind of distinct feels to them that are related to the tone of that game but uh but yeah it's it's fine um i'm hoping that uh, i've got a three-hour journey to go tomorrow and two and a half hours back so i'm hoping that i can try and polish off most of that then so yeah it's it's all right it's all right. Good. Um, I have been playing FIFA. FIFA yeah. 18 dropped this week. Um, for those people who didn't pre-order um, the one of the, the, the special editions, I got the one, the special edition that's 10% off, so it's almost the uh, equivalent of the standard edition uh, through FIFA 17. Um, so I got the, the special bonus for this year was getting three-day early access to the game, which is... Um, as far as pre-order bonuses go, that's the kind of one that, you know, that's that's all right. Yeah. doesn't competitively unbalance the game or anything like that. It's a nice little thing to have. Um, then I do, um, like, the thing where they'll give you a bunch of Ultimate Team packs as well. Yeah, pretty much any edition, but the standard edition comes with some number of Ultimate Team packs. But do I give a fuck about the, no. <laughs> the Ultimate Team? It's still the one mode I haven't actually touched on it, but... Um, things to say about it without getting too laboured because I, I can go really go into the weeds on my football game talk but it's probably the best FIFA game in maybe three years uh, I would say now that I'm really starting to get to grips with it uh, the learning curve is a bit stiff when I've been playing Pro Evo Solid for the last two weeks and not only Pro Evo but Pro Evo has become a legend mode where you're only playing as one player uh, the game feels different at the best of times from FIFA but when you're playing as just one player on top of that as well it takes a while to get back into your rhythm and get used to the the little kind of changes they, they've made uh the minute to minute gameplay in fifa is is broadly the same but with a few tweaks it's kind of the same old story every year but uh some of the things they have tweaked they've they've sort of improved the the penalty taking system it's it's similar to the revised system they introduced last year so i i still prefer the old one um 
but they're they're going some way towards they're committing to the, the way they have them um and they're it's it's better that's for sure um there are different things you can do you can turn off the arrow as well because there's an arrow that points at the goal but you can you can toggle that if you're playing multiplayer so that the dude doesn't know which way you're going to shoot before you shoot um the crossing system has been overhauled i'm not <sighs> yeah that feels uh, a bit weird um yeah because it used to be so from what i can tell it used to be well no i know what it used to be so it used to be um a single tap of circle to go far post double tap of circle to go near post three taps of circle oh sorry it's square if you're a standard fifa controls mm-hmm. so shall we say one tap of the cross button to go far post two taps of the cross button to go near post and three taps of the cross button to play a fast ball along the along the ground and hope that somebody gets a foot on it and taps it in low. Uh, now it seems to be they've gotten rid of the, th- the third option and you've got uh, one tap of cross can do far or near post based on how much strength you put into it and where you're angling the ball. Um, it becomes when you hit when you hit a cross in the direction you're intending it to it feels like it's easier to score and harder to defend than it was last year's one um i don't know how i feel about that because from the defense point of view i leak more goals than i have in previous fifas because of that oh really but i don't know if it's a matter of the timing on it is now different and i need to figure that out so that that, that's another thing uh and then the same goes for so you like you now to play the low ball you is, is double tap um and again your strength the the length of time you hold that second tap down for it dictates how fast and how far it goes across the face of the goal um so that's a bit of getting used to i can see where they're going try to simplify it and there's still like you hold down l1 to do the early cross as well that's still in there um shooting mechanics have sort of changed as well because now you can hit shoot once to get it at a standard or high height or you can try and double tap the shoot button in quick succession to get a low driven shot into a corner um those are the main kind of changes to the minute to minute gameplay the other thing that's introduced now is the quick sub system which you and i were both kind of digging yeah, around like with. That. yeah so if you're if you if you manage the, the best the full functionality of it kind of comes out in career mode um, when you would have players that you will typically sub on and off during the course of 90 minutes and you can hotkey the quick sub system to sub on and off particular players for particular players so that they know, okay, so uh, sometimes in a game I might be finding it difficult with, oh, let's say Ander Herrera, he's not breaking down a defence, but someone like Mkhitaryan knows how to squeeze off a pass that'll just crack a defense wide open so i can hotkey it so that uh when i open my quick sub menu which i'll go into now more in a second it'll know that if matt is not performing well i'm going to want to make atari or not matt sorry ferreira is not performing well i'm going to want to make atari and come on so that's that's pretty cool what happens is during the cutscenes, so like you know if you miss a shot and the player's like oh and it goes to the replay of the missed shot or you know there's a save or something like that when the ball goes dead there's a brief window where uh, a prompt for hitting r2 or right trigger comes down in the bottom corner so you hold it down and it'll pop open your quick sub menu and what it will do is based on performances or whether there's an injury or something like that around the pitch will identify the player you're most likely going to want to sub at that moment and who their most able-bodied replacement in that 
position or similar is. So you don't have to pause, go into team management and stuff like that. It keeps the flow of the game going, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the things. Um, like when you think about you when you're playing it, online as well, that will really help because you can't definitely. pause the game online unless you're in possession of the ball. Yeah. So you can't make like if they play keep away with the ball, you can't make a substitution very yeah. easily. I, I wonder if a lot of that they were thinking about online in particular. I would to say so. it's speed the, it it's the biggest seed change in being able to change your team completely really quickly since they introduced the the kind of the short keys on the uh, the d-pad for tactical switches between attacking and defense and offside trap and things like that um so that's pretty good uh the the two modes i, I the, the main reason i brought this up is i want to talk about the two major modes that i play the first is uh career mode uh, that's the game. That's the mode I play ninety five percent of the time. I play FIFA. Start, pick a club. Go into, uh, start your managerial legacy. Um, and there's there's a couple of cool. I was showing you there's a couple of cool streamlining lining things they've done this year, uh, where they've kind of put all the, all the things you might want to do with a squad into two simple hubs. And uh, now they still have the old system is in there as well. If you still prefer doing it the long way, but uh, <clears throat> so you have your squad hub now which will put in all your squad in one really nice-looking menu that at a quick glance you can see, right, what's their current market valuation, what's their form like, are they happy, why are they not happy, um, are they injured, have they been the subject of a bid from another club recently, and then, like, when you highlight a player, hit X, it will show you a list of actions. You can, you can change your squad number, you can... Um, put them on the transfer list you can renegotiate their contract you can um do all sorts like anything you might want to do with an individual player will be in that list there um and then the other one where it things really change around is this thing called the transfer hubs now so obviously a big part of being a manager in career mode is transfers recruiting players for a club uh, the scouting system, the global transfer and scouting networks are still the same. I, I quite like those systems in it. But now um, there's a transfer hub that as soon as you add a player to the transfer hub and start scouting them in a similar menu to the, um, the, the, the squad hub, your transfer targets will start showing up in there so you can keep tabs on them in that way. And it's much more detailed than the old shortlist in terms of keeping track of their current market value and likelihood to transfer and things like that. Um, and, and that's that's really handy, um, especially when you've fully scouted a target so you know what they're... And that, for the thing I'm about to talk about, I definitely recommend that no matter who your transfer target is, fully scout them beforehand because the big change to transfers, as I showed you the other day, is uh, actual proper negotiations. So the old negotiation system used to basically be guess a random number, bid. If the bid goes through, then you just it's just wage and length of contract and uh, in recent years, squad role as well. And it's just kind of, it was very kind of done over email. It was kind of, it wasn't really, it didn't feel in depth or anything like that. But now you've got a thing where, now you can still do it that way, get your assistant manager to go and delegate and you set a, this is the most I will accept for a contract for this player. But um, the, the cool new thing you can do is basically the first phase of negotiations goes into a little cutscene where you're your manager in the club office and in comes a representative of the, the club you're trying to buy a player from. So let's say, for example, I want to buy Riyad Mahrez from Leicester City. So a uh, representative from Leicester City, the football club, 
will come into my office, sit down with me. It's at that point that I decide, right, what kind of deal do I want this to be? And you'll get uh, on the right stick, you'll get a couple of um, possibilities. You can either, um, you can either accept the transfer bid straight away or accept their market valuation for the player straight away. You can edit it to try and negotiate a better fee for you so you can pay less for the player. Or you can get you can try and do somewhere halfway between the two where you'll say, right, we'll, we won't pay you as much as you want, but we'll introduce a sell-on clause so that if we ever sell Mahrez, you will get 10% of whatever we get for him. So the sell-on clause is a completely new uh, thing for it. Uh, half about half the time you'll know the market valuation of the player going in and they'll because they'll tell you the other half of the time they won't tell you and they'll ask you to guess and this is why it's important to have done scouting because all your details about what he's earning and what he's worth will pop up on the left hand side of the screen if you have scouted him if not you'll have to guess and if you guess wrong and insult the club they'll refuse to negotiate and you won't be able to get that player anymore and that's really fucking annoying because that happened to me once uh, already doing this uh if you agree the fee with the club, that's it. Goes back out to your menu. Then you can go and negotiate with the actual player. This is a longer negotiation, so some people who aren't really into the in depth kind of get into the weeds on the nego contract negotiations mightn't want to do this. They might delegate this part to the assistant manager. But in this part, there's a cutscene where manager and uh, no, sorry, ma not manager, uh, the agent and the player themselves come in and sit down. And one by one, you negotiate with them. You go back and forth on wages, contract length, squad role, uh, and any bonuses they might want, as well as uh, a completely new feature and a real topical feature considering the, 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 the what happened in the transfer window this year in actual football, uh, the possibility of putting a release clause into their contract. And the release clause has been the most annoying part of the negotiation so far because they find it very tough to budge release clause in football for those of you who are kind of like only semi-familiar with football is basically a fee that's put into the contract that if club x want to buy my player from my team and they bid this amount then i can't there's nothing i can do about it he's gone um it buys out his contract basically um it's handy for you if you're the buying club and you have the money because then you can skip uh dealing with a club who don't want to sell a player but it's annoying for me because then i could at no notice at all lose a really key player if they have a release clause in their contract um so the whole system is like the the transfer system makes it feel really more in depth without getting so far into it that it's basically just cribbing on football manager do you know it still is kind of surface layer relative to football manager but it's considerably more in depth than a, a lot of years past like i remember the first fifa game i played a huge amount it was like fifa 2002 or 2003 and you could basically pay what you wanted like the transfer system was just a secondary thought you could pay yeah. whatever you wanted for thierry Henry. <laughs> do you know what i mean I, I think obviously it's a refining uh a refinement over the years of of trying to add yeah. somewhat some some semblance of uh, realism to mm. it uh, so you yeah. don't completely break the game yeah like in the the biggest changes to the actual minute to minute gameplay like in FIFA 2010 they completely re rebuilt how that game plays and feels and they didn't really need to do much on it after that mechanically apart from like last year they moved it to the frostbite engine just so that it feels smoother and looks better yeah i mean i've only played been playing the demo and, and played a short bit with you but i definitely think that just the, the feel of the game yeah um it, it feels super super satisfying to play 
Yeah. Um, just all the the general stuff that I've done over the years, the passes, the through balls, crosses, all just all kind of comes together. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like I'm I'm not sure if I will end up buying it on the Switch. I'm toying with the idea of mm-hmm. it. Um, the thing I was going to ask you is the journey now. Yeah, yeah this, is the, this is the last part that I want. So, to bring, is but... this like a, a straight up like second season? Yeah, yeah. It like it picks up on the summer tour in South America after your first season where you you won the the FA Cup. Now, the first thing I didn't know is that with or I can't remember from the first time we spoke about uh, FIFA last year. Um, is it like? full-on Bioware RPG multiple no. branching storylines it's just no. uh, if you you have there this are, scenario and if you fail it then you fail it no there there are certain decisions you can make that will change things but there are certain beats in this story and I don't want to spoil the things that happen to you in this story no 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 but there are certain things that it doesn't seem like I can avoid there was no choice that makes me because basically and it's in the trailer so I, I don't feel feel bad about saying this but basically you move club uh, in this one you leave the club that you picked mm. uh, in the first season owing to like a bunch of different circumstances uh, and it doesn't seem like because I was looking for it and it doesn't seem like there was a possibility and based on the way the narratives have gone there's no way I was going to be able to stay or go to anywhere else but where I ended up going and there's nothing in um, like your save file from last year that carries over into this yep. year's yeah. oh there is yeah, yeah okay. it carries over like the club you were with the overall level that right, you got right, right. to well, that's good stuff like that cool um, but in terms of like it strips your skill tree so you yeah, have to sure. build the skill tree again and <clears throat> but um the narrative again is is pretty good it's it's more in some ways i think it's better um than a um than than the first one and it's all over the internet so the uh, skip the next two or three minutes if you don't want light spoilers for something that happens in the journey if that's something you care about uh, but basically, it's revealed over the course of... So, do, do you remember anything about the the story for the first one, Mark? Reading about it or seeing it? No. So, like, your guy, Alex Hunter, is basically raised by his grandfather and his mother because the father left when he was very young because he, he had another woman over in America. And you reconnect with the father over the course of the first one, but in a way that, like, you're not cool with him, but he keeps trying to get back into your life. Is this my life story? I, um but it 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 comes out over the course of um the the kind of the second chapter of this one that you have a sister and but it it i really like it because even though it's kind of melodramatic i think this is setting the table for the third journey i think you're going to get to pick which one of them you are because you're introduced to her then you're introduced to her again, and then there's a chapter where you play as her playing for the U.S. women's national team. Okay. She makes her debut at 16, so she's a little bit younger than him, which means that, you know, if they were to do a Journey 3, it would be interesting to allow branching paths where you could be Alex Hunter or you could be her. I think her name is Kelly. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool little idea. Although I do think it stretches things to the point of almost farcical that he cannot know, despite being a prominent professional footballer in the tabloid culture we live in, 
that he wouldn't know he had a sister. Look, we watch wrestling, all right. I'm yeah. more than happy to accept. But on top of that, then the fact that his father, the the kind of the runaway father, was also a professional footballer, a well known professional footballer. <laughs> So he would probably have had tabloids following him. Look, I'm you sure... you think it would have come up? Her surname is Hunter. I'm sure in the development... And she knew the whole time? I'm sure in the development they figured that this was a, a rather large plot point, yeah. but you just sometimes have to bite the bullet. Like, he's definitely... I think he's... I think the father is definitely like an analogue for, for Paul Gascoigne. Because <laughs> he's... Um, his whole narrative is that he's like... Because the grandfather was the England legend... But the father was a guy who broke through very young, had a lot of raw talent, had the world at his feet, but his demons got the better of him. Okay. And they consumed him and he burned out quite young. Um, so your narrative is kind of you're trying to emulate your grandfather and do better than your father. Um, so I, I, I see some Gaza in in the father, definitely in the way he's burnt out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, it's really good. Apart from, apart from, for the second year in a row... The uh, the acting from the actors is terrific. Uh, like, <laughs> however, <laughs> look, much look. like last year, okay, we, there we are know. professional footballers in this, and I think the high water mark last year was Harry Kane. God, God bless Harry Kane. Seems like a lovely young fella, but even on match of the day when he's speaking as himself, actually reacting to things and not acting. He is not a fountain of charisma. And when he was acting in FIFA 17's journey, my word. It's fair to say that when Vinnie Jones is the height of, you know, a, a crossover between football and acting. And Eric Cantona is considered, like, quite suppose, a critically yeah, lauded yeah, actor. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay, well, all right. You know, you bat one. He's in a Ken Loach film. You bat one in every Eric thousand. Cantona. All right. Um... And I'm sure when Zlatan goes into acting, he'll be, you know... Oh, well, some say he's although, just a performance artist already. Although he'll only be able to ever play the part of Zlatan. That's fine. Which, That's which... fine. I would like to see him in, like, a John Wick-style movie. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, just the... Ronaldo. We, you sat here as we watched Cristiano Ronaldo. The He, you know, obviously he's in the discussion as him and Messi for our, the best footballer of the generation, but he's certainly the most famous footballer of this generation. That that can be that can be said fairly. Sure, that's fair. And yes, he's speaking in English in this, and he is Portuguese. But it's worth remembering he spent about ten years of his career, the guts of ten years, in Manchester. And clearly, so he is fluent in English. And clearly, he spent those ten years learning his English from Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Oh my God. It was very much uh, like, oh hi, Alex. <laughs> like it was. Yeah. It was shades of Wiseau. Oh, it was much worse than Harry Kane. Harry Kane has been let off the hook, as has Marco Royce from last year, because mm. that was just... Oh, that's very poor. It's very poor indeed. I'm excited to see if there's... I don't know if there's any other footballers that will show up in this. Honestly, this is going to be my highlight every year. But do you know what? It's funny, right? So, remember the other week I talked about uh, Madden's long shot? Yeah. The, their version of yeah, the yeah. journey. Uh, Dan Marino, very famous uh, Dolphins player from back in the day is in this like a legendary american footballer wait in the nfl one yeah in the nfl one. Oh, i thought you were saying he's in. oh there's an there's like um there's an nba player that's in fifa's one just as a guy oh that's the other thing i need to come back to that in a second but i'll finish my first point my first point was that dan reno's acting is actually pretty good well remember it's dan- surprisingly good dan reno was in ace ventura, ace ventura. yeah all right so 
Um, he has but, chops. <laughs> so this, there is another, there's an ex-professional footballer in it who acquits himself, I will say, in terms of acting better than Ronaldo. And it's Thierry Henry. But Thierry Henry, right? Thierry Henry is is basically portrayed as this weird guy who's constantly hanging out in this club that looks like it's his lair. Like, it's an, it's on a veranda, and it's got these, like, is he in light tables, and he's just always there, and he's always trying to invite you to parties and are, stuff. Are it's sure, really... Sure this dude, it's super fucking weird. He's not Ian McShane in John Wick. Like, I, I just, like, it's Thierry Henry. Like, there's a couple of scenes where he's talking about football, but usually he's just like, oh, Alex. Um, it's, it's super... His cameo, his whole... I think it was just, we have Thierry Henry, we might as well use him. Um, him and his stupid fucking nightclub lair. It's really, really strange. Um, but yeah, that's that that's FIFA eighteen anyway. I thoroughly recommend it. I think it's a very, very good game. Um, shall we move on, my friend? Go on. Then. Let's talk about the news. News on the mark. Mark, can you feel it in the water? Can you feel it in the air? The mini SNES is out tomorrow. When's yours arriving? I don't know. I'm going down to ask them tomorrow. Mine's in the second wave. But I, like, that could be just, for all we know, the second wave has now collapsed into the first one that they've decided to ship more for the first wave. I could be getting mine tomorrow. I could be getting mine next month. I have no fucking idea. I know I will get one. Uh, because they were told that there would be a lot of this amount in wave two. So I know I do have one. It's not like they're going to hand me back my money. Um, but yeah, it's a, I'm, not, I'm not expecting to get one anytime soon. Well, all the reviews are out and everyone's gone. Basically, it's um, it's a NES, but under a SNES bonnet. Yeah. Um, well, it, no, well, here's the thing, right? So yeah, that was one of the articles that came out about it, was that they, they cracked it open and it's the same kit that, and the inside the same guts which naturally obviously someone went and modded it so you could play the SNES but, emulator on the NES but like here's the thing like I, I was just like I was thinking about this I was like is that really that big of a shock because one that makes well, sense no, from not. a cost costing uh, point of view and it's like but also in 2017 I would imagine that even modest technology from now can run both. Yes. You wouldn't need to go up massively in technology to emulate uh, the SNES over the NES. Like, yeah, I, of course <laughs> it's basically going to be a fucking Raspberry Pi underneath the hood. <laughs> That's not why we're buying it. It's no, not like we're no. opening it to see, oh, look, it's the exact same components as the original SNES, just tiny. Yeah, I, it's the thing it's is... It's super fucking dumb, like, oh. the The whole point of this thing is Star Fox 2 right because everyone's like oh look it's a really good machine was like, well yeah it has like all of the greatest games of all time on it yeah you know uh, <laughs> that it's got right so the the selling points are yeah it's got it's got Star Fox 2 um and it's got a way for you for people who aren't kind of adverse in the the ROM community or anything like that it's it, it's a cool and legal way for them to play the greatest game, some of the greatest games of all time, without costing them a fucking arm and a leg, going through rare game traders. Mm-hmm. Um, and also then there's the the tertiary uh kind of goal of it's a nice piece of kind of uh retro looking kit that will look cool on a shelf. You know, those are the kind of the three prongs of it. But as you said, Star Fox Two, I think, is the headline grabber here. Yeah, because with the 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 NES, we only just got. 
Like, just standard games that all came out before, but Star Fox 2, we have not seen. The the only thing the public have seen is the unfinished prototype that, depending on who you ask, was different variant variations of complete. Mm-hmm. Um, the reviews are out, though, for Star Fox 2 from the people, I think it's like late last week, early this week, people got their hands, uh, like, review. I, I've seen reviews popping up over the last day or two. So the Star Fox 2 reviews are coming out now, and apparently it's really fucking good, and it seems Except to... IGN gave it a 5.0. Because they were like, is re- by any chance was it Dan Stapleton? I didn't see who reviewed it. But I'm gonna have a look. I, I just saw a, a screen grab of it, but basically it was like, it's a really cool idea, but it's um, uh, Star Fox Two or the Mini SNES. The Star Fox Two. Okay. Uh, Star Fox Two, really cool idea, but it's mired under a uh, uh, poor frame rate and clunky graphics. I was like, well, it's a game from 1995, so and it's a Star Fox game. Yeah. So <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I've always known that Star Fox Two, like its its actual conception, is really fucking weird and like mm. even a lot of the ideas didn't even end up in lilac walls oh sam played more okay huh. um but yeah it's it's a, just a weird little thing by itself which seems really bold and ambitious for what they were going for in 1995 yeah. on the snes yeah there's some some like really strange ideas it's gotten a silver recommendation from Eurogamer anyway and um yeah, it seems like the, the idea of mini space dungeons where you're looking for switches and stuff, like, it, it seems like, as was Nintendo at the time, they when they make sequels, they go, like, they try a lot with them. They, they, they're they not content to stay in place. Yeah, well, it's like even the fact that your Arwing can transform into, yeah. like, a walking vehicle, yeah. you know, it's, uh, um, which they would get to eventually. It's but. very rare for Nintendo to make, like, sure, in terms of, like, the, the way they, they number them, it, they look like direct sequels, but in terms of the actual substance, substance, it's very rare for Nintendo to make a direct sequel that's pretty much the exact same as the the original. Yeah. Like, the ones that, the series that are kind of like that are usually the ones that are at least the the burden of them is uh, second party like Mario Party for instance Zelda um yeah yeah there's some there's some Zelda stuff that's like so Majora's Mask is similar in a lot of ways to Ocarina but then in a lot of ways it's not similar at all but you know what I mean like I think if you look at say the mainline Mario series the only time where they didn't really actively try to iterate substantially was maybe Galaxy 2 Mm, yeah yeah and uh, 3D land or world. Well, right? yeah, they they're kind of like they're definitely two. Although sides they of are point. definitely trying some shit in that with the like the four player co op full 3D Mario experience. So yeah, they are, yeah. you know what I mean. Anyway, that's a that's a conversation for a different day. But yeah, Star Fox Two is out in the wild now. It's fucking trippy, man. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Do you know what my favorite thing? Like apart from Star Fox Two, my favorite thing, my favorite command decision they made about this mini SNES is that. In the box, two controllers. Two controllers and the two controllers are standard because yeah. I was I was not fucking buying um two controllers with yeah. the the NES. Yeah, but most of the games on it. I, well, I this really the thing. Don't want to play the, two the, player. Yeah, I I because I remember there were people banging on about why is there not two controllers, but it's like apart from like Balloon Fight, what? Yeah, you know. Yeah. At least with this, there's a couple more games where it's like, oh no, having two controllers is a lot more of a viable option. Mm. Though it doesn't have Goof Troop. So, oh. uh, I've just seen a quick tweet here. Apparently, Danny O'Dwyer. Uh, YouTube have pulled support for Patreon links in the end screen videos of Noclip um, and all of their old videos. So I don't know what the fuck's oh. going on there. Fucking YouTube, man. Yeah. Like, they don't want you to earn money from ads and they don't want you to tell people where to go so that you can earn money. Yeah. That's fucking weird. Uh, anyway, sorry. So um, I saw that, so. so, Shadow of War is the game where, like, 
since E3, almost every news story that's come out about that game has made me more conflicted and less excited about playing that game. It's out in like two weeks. Yeah, it's out soon. October 17th, I believe. That's the one. Do you remember I was trying to think last week what date, what got moved from that death date of October 27th? Because <laughs> originally it was uh, Shadow of War, Wolfenstein and Mario all out on the same day, as well as Assassin's Creed. Um, but you may recall a few weeks ago on the show, or maybe a month or so ago at this point, uh, we talked about uh, Michael Forge, uh, who was the director of the original game, was in place as the director uh, and executive producer of the Shadow of War for Monolith. And he passed away, sadly, at the age of 43 from a brain tumor last year, I think. Yeah. And um, the studio created a character based on him, um, Forthog the Orkslayer, who... Um, Warner Brothers, seemingly, although it was never confirmed whether it was a Warner Brothers decision or a Monolith decision, it's just, I think it's a safe assumption that it was a Warner Brothers interactive decision, because that's the kind of shite hawks they have acted like in the past, uh, opted to, instead of making him a free character, um, make him, uh, I think it was five quid you had to pay for him. And he's kind of like the the role he plays. He's not a playable character. He kind of acts as the like the mysterious stranger from Fallout, where he'll just there's once you unlock him, there's a random chance of him coming to help you out in battle. Uh, and and kill people, which is pretty. It's a pretty cool feature in Fallout. But uh, uh it's three ninety nine pounds uh, on on Steam and Xbox One, and they um. It's safe to say, Mark, there was a bit of a backlash over this. There was a big... Yeah, there was a big... Um, Jim Sterling and, and several other people railed against it and kind of it got balled into the broader criticism of the, the loot box system and the marketplace and, and, and things like that going on. Warner Bros. are really going for the Konami Corners uh, Ineptitude Award yeah. this year. And even yeah. in the, the weeks, award. even in the, the weeks since the last show, they came out and said that um, they tried to explain away the loot box system and made it worse. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. They yes. tried to kind of answer questions about it and in trying to do so basically ended up just shrugging and saying I think the quote was it's very complicated. <laughs> you um, don't need to understand. We want your fucking money. Yeah. That's that's it, what it is. It does get to the point where you're like just fucking say that and be done yeah, with it. Yeah, do you know what? I'd yeah. almost admire it at this point. Uh but yeah, the public backlash has not gotten rid of the loot boxes yet, but uh they have turned around on their fort hog idea and they they're going to have that character still in the game but as free dlc now so that's something i suppose it's um i still think like i i i wager this game is still going to be excellent you know um it, you know building on what was for a lot of gaming outlets 2014's game of the year um uh, it's hard to go too far wrong from there, especially if you're not into the, the kind of online leaderboards and things, which is where the loot boxes will really affect things. Um, so it, what I what I mean to say is, if it succeeds and if it is an excellent game, it will be entirely on Monolith and any kind of huge black marks brought on in the loot boxing system and things like that, I place entirely at the feet of Warner Brothers Interactive. Mm -hmm. um, because nothing better... Uh, illustrates the the studio's actual intent and the fact that the original Shadow of Mordor didn't have any sort of predatory 
shit like that in it. I know loot boxes weren't in vogue, but there were definitely lots of predatory microtransactions in 2014, which they didn't partake in. Yeah, I wonder if um, loot boxes, like, because we've had stuff with, with season passes, and what was the big thing that they tried to implement publishers developers and then that died out um online passes online passes yeah like yeah, i wonder yeah we're at the yeah the, the the forefront of that i wonder where loot boxes will stand in like a year's time um because i know there are just people that just impulsively they just they will buy that kind of shit um, um speaking of warner brothers fucking injustice 2 loot boxes yeah. all over the place yeah overwatch yeah oh i mean overwatch is obviously uh, the, the big success one. story of the year player unknowns battlegrounds does that have loot box and a marketplace? So if you don't Jesus. open the loot box, that you win. You can... What it is is you win loot boxes, but you buy keys for the loot boxes, and you can then sell. If you don't open the loot box, you can sell the loot box on the marketplace, and the uh, the value fluctuates on there. Like it's your your borderline just getting into another CS. Yeah, uh, low territory. Like to be honest, it's it's less predatory. It, it, it's still not ideal. Like if you just put up skins. And say, right, this is the price for the skins, rather than have the random chance thing. Yeah. Especially when you do like the oh, one of the things that really pissed me off when I was reading about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds having it is that so if there's an outfit you want in the game, uh, the loot boxes will not contain the full outfit. Only very rarely yep. will the full outfit. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like you'll get say the gloves or the jacket or something like that. Uh, on the bombcast this week, Jeff Gersman was talking about how, or not was sorry, it wasn't the bombcast. It was on a recent uh, Murder Island stream where they play Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Where he bought five boxes, five loot boxes, and he got like two thirds of the outfit. And then when they were sitting around to start the stream, he just had that itch to try and complete the outfit. Bought another five loot boxes, and he was like, "Luckily enough, the last part was in there, so he could stop for now." Um. So yeah, that's I'm not a big fan of loot boxes, but I'm no. a big fan of the, like. Even though it's not much of a gesture, it's literally the least Warner Brothers can do. That at least public pressure did make them them kind of cow to this, um, Warthog thing because that was like, whatever about the, the loot box thing. You can always kind of at the end of the day go on well, fucking like publishers are scumbags sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, but with the like the potentially exploiting the death of a man, that's a particular. You think it'd be hard pushed to find anybody who'll justify anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but moving on, anyway. Um, there have been layoffs over at Volition. Volition are the 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 developers of most recently Agents of Mayhem, but probably known best to a lot of people as the developers of the Saints Row series, which I dearly love. Agents of Mayhem is this weird kind of like uh, character-based shooter thing that came out a couple of months ago. Um, it's set in the Saints Row universe and like has more than they were letting on in common with it like in terms of its association to Saints Row like we knew because of the colouring and, and some of the, the iconography that's used in the trailers for Agents of Mayhem that it was going to be in the Saints Row universe but there's a lot of kind of if you like Saints Row please buy this game sort of kind of fan service mm-hmm. in there down to the fact that Johnny Gat is a is a pre-ordered DLC guy in Agents of Mayhem from what I understand. But um, Agents of Mayhem kind of came out to a, like a real wet fart of a reception. Just a proper, eh. Um, there's a couple of people, like it's apparently it starts quite well. Um, but the longer you play it, the worse it gets. Um, and the, the downhill slide is pretty severe. 
Um, it's done very badly, both review-wise and commercially, because this has now led to um, over 30 people um, of the 200 on staff being sacked. Not kind of like, we're angry at you because the game did badly, but the game did badly, we can't fucking afford to keep yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of sacking so, um, it, it's worth noting as Eurogamer point out here in the article about it was that uh, it's it's a spin-off that debuted fourth in the charts during a quiet time of year and again stale opposition so that's a kind of a staggering put down of its performance there like the summer late summer is really the time of year to hit with something like this um, and it just couldn't get a foothold like it, it's kind of gone the way of you know Evolve and couple of other Battleborn. games like Battleborn which just like seem to have big budgets and and just yeah it just it looked like in. Deep Silver weren't particularly happy with it and it's fair enough it came out at a quiet time and it just didn't make any impact and you know a lot of people really like those Saints Row games I really love them but I wonder if um, I don't know how Saints Row 4 did sales wise Saints Row 4 didn't do as good as Saints Row 3 but I think part of that came from the fact that it was released relatively soon after Saints Row 3 like within a year or two Mm. because Saints Row 4 was originally planned as like an expansion to Saints Row 3 and they kind of went actually we have enough in this to make a full game and brought it out Um, but it was more from what I read that once they did 4 and then the Gat Out of Hell expansion they kind of decided that we're kind of tired of this for a while Which so let's try enough. and spin off yeah i wonder now will there be pressure from on high at deep silver to go back to what you know um, um although this to me would be the couple of years in which you should if you're going to ever go back to saints row go back now before two or three years from now when the next gta game gets announced yeah possibly you don't want to be coming out in around like when people know there's a gta coming out, game coming out because no matter how good Saints Row is, it's just going to get killed. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, because it'll definitely be a fair few years before. I mean, to be fair, like, Rockstar could just fucking keep GTA Online. Yeah, they're they're in no for... rush. And with, as we're going to talk about shortly, um, with Red Dead coming out, they're yeah. not... They're in, they're in an all right place. Yeah, they've got that coming out. L.A. Noir is getting reissued. Yeah, of course it is. Um, they've still got the the kind of like a couple of ex- obscure IPs in the in the back pocket to keep coming out in between now and another GTA. So yeah, don't worry about Rockstar. Um, the Chinese room, the the UK based developer, um, who are best known for the the pair of walking simulators, their debut, Dear Esther, which is a very polarizing game. Uh, and some say is the the progenitor of the term walking simulator and their their follow-up game which is one of my favorite games of the year it came out uh, everybody's gone to the rapture Mm -hmm. and was hands down and it won it in our awards as far as i remember the best soundtrack of the year um the first year we did the awards i think i remember i actually because i wrote a review of everybody's gone to the rapture on the website um and it is it's a breathtaking soundtrack i bought it on vinyl last year that's how good it is um they've announced that they've um they've sacked it's run by um it's run by a husband and wife uh jessica curry who is the she did the soundtrack she scored the soundtrack and dan pinchbeck who i think is the design side of things um they sold their office and sacked all their staff. <laughs> Jesus. Um, to downsize. Shouldn't laugh. Um, 
it wasn't because of a financial thing. It's that they're uh, you go on to read they they were interviewed by Eurogamer, um, and they've basically set reset up the Chinese room office in uh, Brighton where they live, and the the decision to get rid of people from there they had I think it was thirty people, maybe thirty people. Don't quote me on that. Um, the reason they got rid of them is because they have decided even though they are with everybody gone to Raptor they show that they are pretty fucking good at making those kind of games that they want to do something completely different um, that's fair enough so if you have an entire staff that was hired particularly to design a walking simulator you don't need those people if you're not doing a walking simulator necessarily mm. um, so they're downsizing for this period you, you often see it like you know a uh, game developer will ramp up and hire people left, right, and center in the build-up to releasing a game, and then in the kind of like post-release, game is done, it's fully patched, the sales are kind of like dipping down. Okay, now we downsize and we pivot to what we want to do next, and then once we've des- once we have the design doc for the next game, then we start stopping. Yeah, it's always again. a thing of like signing up for a six-month contract, years contract. I I, I know people that have, have, like, consistently been on short contracts for a a good number of years and earned their money that way. Um, And it's not always convenient for everyone, but uh, that's the lay of the land when it comes to game development, you know? In uh, Switch news, Mark, uh, Play Dead's game Inside, which we talked about when it released last year on Xbox One. It was last year, wasn't it? Mm, or was yeah. it very early? No, yeah, it was last year. Oh, yeah, because it was in the Game of the Year chat last year, um, which I, I believe off us it got a good review, but was it you... Was it you or me? I can't remember. I think it was me who said that it's... They, they preferred... Um, fucking... Oh, God. Limbo? Limbo, yeah. <laughs> Uh, or was it you that it might have been me I, th- I think or I was said it, or no there was definitely some contrary opinion in our circle of someone who preferred it to Limbo and I, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't me because I I think my view at the time was I think it, the end of it is stronger than Limbo because that, that last kind of you've played through yeah I've played inside, it yeah. the last 15 minutes of Inside is fucking great and it looks great what about but, what about Barry Led did he play it he, he might have been yeah. the, the centre there uh, my my main criticism on the time is that none of the puzzles are really that hard at no, all. No, no, uh, it's it purely very challenging. It's it's purely uh, like a non-narrative but story-focused game uh, mm-hmm. where, well, not so much a story, it's but kind of like in your your kind of like Night of the Woods sort of space where nothing in it is particularly challenging. It's more about the journey than it is about any of the mechanics. Yeah, of what although you're doing obviously in the meantime. that is more character and narrative driven. Where this yeah. one is purely like on atmosphere although, and tone. Yeah, although it is kind of like it's 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 driven by your protagonist in the things you infer from the silence and the action yes, and the, yes. the way people interact, like enemies interact. Yeah, with you I mean and, it's a very intriguing game. Yeah, you know? there's um, yeah, it's not bad by any stretch. I just prefer Limbo as a as a game. I mm. think. Um, but yeah, heading to Switch, and I think as we say, um, about every game coming to the Switch, this will be perfect on the Switch. I think. Sure. Um, maybe <laughs> I mean, not one for the kids because it's pretty fucking morbid. Honestly, Dave, I really think at this point we have to ask what games are not suitable for the Switch. Witcher. Why? Because it just they did literally physically could not get it on a, on a Switch card. I suppose, probably. 
Um, but yeah, a Japanese publication Famitsu heard the news from Inside Creator Arndt Jensen while he was on a tour of Japan. Get and get this now. Dinnering with The Last Guardian maker Fumeto Ueda and team and Metal Gear Solid maker Hideo Kojima and his team. That is a meeting of the minds. Play Dead, <laughs> Kojima Productions and Sony Japan. Uh, they're a real Justice League of weirdos. Yeah, I was going to say, what fucking thing between them would they conjure up? I think it was just a complete night. You know what? It would be a game called Nightmare Factory. Yeah, absolutely would. Uh, our final story, obviously, and it le- lends uh, heavily into our book club feature this week, is we're recording this podcast in the 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 immediate aftermath of the 1 minute 28 second, I think, trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2. So, Which is Roman numerals we'll, 2. We'll now. do a bit of uh, our kind of our, our rundown here, some, some thoughts. There's not a lot to be gleaned from it. I think the one solid, tangible piece of information that we have here is spring 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's a kind of nebulous time. But if you take that, I think it was a 2K investor call earlier in the year that said Red Dead Redemption 2 is fiscal year 2019. So the only month that overlaps that is both spring 2018 and fiscal year 2019 is April. April. So we're looking at April, maybe if things have slid since that conference call or will slide in the the following months, it might be May. Hmm. Um, The the official blurb from Rockstar, because they have a description for uh, what we saw in the trailer, is that it's the story of outlaw Arthur Morgan and the Vanderlinde gang as they rob, fight, and steal their way across the vast and rugged heart of America in order to survive. Uh, talk to me first, Mark, about the the visuals in this trailer. It's a very pretty looking game, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like from the the few things that we've seen um it seems a bit, bit denser in terms of uh, greenery and forestry but that yeah. might just be the particular area they're well, focusing the, on yeah the the by the sounds of the like the description here they read about like going across the vast american land it would make me think that there are, i know there was a few locations in the original red dead as we're going to talk about in a bit but it makes me think like big well spaced out locations in this that this is going to be a fairly fairly fucking huge yeah. game um we saw a few things like uh we saw a crocodile or an alligator whatever we want to say so that's yeah. that's new yeah um, so, so it's gonna be some sort of swampy area yep so i'm thinking that's pretty like louisiana kind of the bayou yeah. yeah cajun country so that'd be cool yeah and it's interesting because i think you're gonna to get to see some much more built up areas because the original game as we talk about takes place in the er- very early 20th century mm. and this we we have seen based on a couple of hints now we were wrong on a couple of the hints uh a couple of the things we thought we saw uh just when i was scanning twitter when we were setting up uh but it's definitely a sequel like it, it like chronologically it's it's after the original red dead well, i do so wonder the, if it, it's strange because the further east you go so the more built up america is going to get and the more incongruous it's going to be having a western in the kind of like in the in the kind of the yankee states mm. if you go that far so i wonder if it'll be just some sort of kind of fictional territory that has all these kind of yeah uh, well i mean like you think about red dead um and the way that it's set up and we'll talk about this in the book club but it's not you know it's not focused on one kind of real life fictional 
area. It's um, it's a take on the Wild West that just happens to you know in a place that just borders on Mexico. So obviously Mexico's a real place, a real place, and I imagine some of the the towns and name places they use in the American part of the landscape um, may be based off of real places. But you know the way it is is designed, it is all um, uh, created uh, from scratch. Um, so they could easily do this, a similar thing here where they may just, they, they may use a couple of areas. They may, may use some kind of real names or landmarks, um, and then just kind of throw in whatever they want themselves along the way, you know, whatever fits the flow of the game, I guess. Yeah. Um, Cause it's kind of a similar thing with even like GTA five, where it's a take on yeah. California, yeah. you know? Um, I, I think some of the other things I'm looking at here. So the one, tangible link there were some characters we thought we saw that we didn't uh like immediately when we saw the the kind of the family story that's taken place there we thought is this something to do with john marston's kid it's not john marston's kid it's this guy arthur morgan right um but it's a similar kind of like family sort of background uh to you know what happened in that first game um, but the one person that actually was from an original game that we spotted was Dutch Vanderlind. So you are part of his gang in this, um, which is interesting uh, that you're going to be the outlaw and not the man trying to make it straight. Uh, like John Marston is, it was very much a redemption story yeah. as the title suggests. So it's interesting to um, get a load of this guy before he, um, you know, before any redemption needs to take place when mm-hmm. he's just gun running um, but yeah the environments look beautiful the soundtrack spot on but as we'll talk about that's a key part of the first one spring 2018 still no word on the online that's interesting no um, no I look they'll probably be drip feeding information between yeah. now Rockstar and are the masters of just giving you st- st- like enough that it gets your hype proper up uh, but not enough that you go right i need i i have all i need to know i'm going to stop paying attention now. yeah and it was a pure cinematic trailer there, there was no gameplay at no. all and again I, but I don't think there be... was in gta 5 until that game was out uh, I can't. no no i think they definitely not in the original trailer not in the original trailer but they definitely before release were going through explaining hey there are three characters and you can yeah oh the, yeah know. well there was that car there was that trailer explaining that there's three characters but i don't remember there being in the original one with the three characters no no not in the original but yeah no. but yeah in the couple of weeks before release some some stuff started and i imagine that they'll probably do something similar for this one just because i from what it looks like you're gonna have seven characters um or thereabouts no. or whatever uh, but they're gonna be you're not not playable though oh, that was playable. that was the rumor the the blurb here is that you are arthur morgan oh, okay and right. that the other people are just the gang that you're with okay that's that's what everybody has inferred from the the blurb about this. That was the the rumor based on the picture, was that it was a magnificent seven style that you were going to be seven different playable characters, which would be kind of like indicate that it's a huge and weighty game. But that image kind of makes sense when you think about it that you're playing as somebody who's a prominent figure in a an outlaw gang. That mm-hmm. there would be a bunch because they'll all be important characters, just not playable ones. Um. So yeah. Spring 2018 for that. I will be buying that game, Mark Robinson. Ooh, yes, so will I. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And on that note, uh, let's move into the Link to the Cast Book Club, the feature every week we talk about an important game from the past uh, that you either should play for the first time or should pick up again if it's been too long. And this week, 
like we said, we are going to be talking about the original, where the saga began, Red Dead Redemption. Dead Redemption is a western action-adventure video game developed by Rockstar San Diego and published by Rockstar Games. It was released for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 uh, consoles in May 2010. It is the second title in the Red Dead franchise after 2004's Red Dead Revolver. The game, set during the decline of the American frontier in the year 1911, follows John Marston, a former outlaw whose wife and son are taken hostage by the government in ransom for his services as a hired gun. Having no other choice, Marston sets out to bring the three members of his former gang to justice. The game is played from a third-person perspective in an open-world environment, allowing the player to interact with the game world at their leisure. The player can travel the virtual world, a fictionalized version of the western United States and Mexico, primarily by horseback and on foot. Gunfights emphasize a gunslinger gameplay with a mechanic that we'll talk about a bit later called Deadeye that allows players to mark multiple shooting targets on enemies in slow motion. The game makes use of a a morality system by which the player's actions in the game affect the character's levels of honor and fame and how other characters respond to the player. An online multiplayer mode is included with the game allowing up to 16 players to engage in both cooperative and competitive gameplay in a recreation of the single player setting. Mark, Red Dead Redemption. Um, even still with the 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 masterpiece that, that a lot of people agree uh, GTA 5 is and the financial behemoth that GTA as a franchise is in some ways Red Dead Redemption might still be the most critically lauded game that they've ever done as in terms of like a 
just a just a, a whole piece of work that it was like it was it was a break from tradition for them like it's completely like there are some tenets of the the open world gta you can see that this is the same company but in so many ways it is so different and it is it, it brings out when you mentioned red dead around people like you mentioned gta but like, oh, i love gta you know like i personally love vice city and san andreas and gta 5 and but when there's, there's like a special gleam in the eye for people when you mentioned red dead redemption it's an incredibly beloved game yeah well the thing is so gta 5 for as good as it is and for as pushing um you know the the limits of what rockstar do with that series it is still just a, an extension of of what they've done before with making this kind of caricature slash parody of like a real life setting whether it be california or or wherever mm. um and just kind of poking and prodding at that and making fun of it you know yeah here this is taking a setting but really just making a completely original rather than parody it's homage yeah yeah yeah. you know what i mean it's not poking fun at the old west like a lot a lot of um gta is is poking fun at kind of like um the the fetishization of crime the 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 follies of capitalism and the excess of a particular time period um whereas this is definitely this is uh, just a, a love letter to the old west and more specifically films and tv shows yeah and that's the thing like based on the old west you think about any of those old western films um and i mean the the thing that gives you the advantage well gave probably gave rockstar the advantage with a setting like the wild west is it is you know it's not hard to tick off the boxes tick off the tropes of what makes the wild west mm-hmm. you know that particular style of music that particular style of, of fashion yeah. the architecture the setting the, like it's very like it, it it owes itself to there's like there's modern western in there like unforgiven there's classic westerns like the dollars trilogy the or the, the man with no name trilogy mm-hmm. they call it the the famous spaghetti westerns with clint eastwood um there's a couple of western tv shows it's seemingly based on that i I never would have seen um because they would have been before my time and over in the states as well um yeah it's just real kind of love for that genre in the same way that kind of like the tv equivalent would be deadwood was uh all about the west but not in a kind of like let's poke fun at how bad the west was um a lot of this game um, one of the messages so there's obviously the the story of john marston is that the narrative the main narrative of the story his kind of like trying to get his family back the story of him trying to make a clean break from very dark past and the kind of the message that you can never really get away from it um but another kind of what you might call like a, a meta narrative going on in this game is a, a, a mourning for the loss of the the frontier the like industrialization and modernization of america was creeping west at the start of the 20th century and much as it was an imperative that modern society was to take over that's just the way it had to be there's a certain tinge of sadness to this kind of this time of outlaws and cowboys things being a bit simpler the gold rush very like interesting period in aesthetic of history 
that was the the frontier period um so that's definitely the the the, the meta narrative of this game is just kind of like it's very sad that this period this kind of aesthetic no longer exists that it had to it just was crushed under the the the, the wheel of history yeah and i think the thing about um john martian's story and the the progression of the the game and what gives it its real identity compared to uh, GTA because you know you can if you want to be like as baseline as possible it's like well mechanically it's GTA with horses mm-hmm. but in terms of the way the story is the the common denominator with the GTA games is it's always a rags to riches story of starting from the bottom working your way to the top by any means necessary and that's not the case here with John Marston mm-hmm. it's a it's a redemption story obviously it's a story of survival mm-hmm. um, but the progression from uh, where you start to the end I, I, is you know, not it, it's as well a story about a man who's trying to find his place in the world yeah. now that the only thing he ever knew is something he can't do or doesn't want to do anymore um, and so that that immediately gives the game a very unique flavour compared to any of the there, other GTA there's games there's a weight to it that most GTA games don't have No, uh, I will argue that I think if you focus on it the story in like a San Andreas mm. definitely has weight to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for that for me, that's like the 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 lesser of the the caricature parody type thing, yeah. sort of stuff that they go for with those um, games. But yeah, the there's definitely a weight to the story that's going on here. And another thing that's different from the Grand Theft Auto series is that when you have a mission and you have a task. There's an all you want to do in GTA is get to the next objective as quickly as possible, but there's certainly an element of wanting to just stop and smell the roses here in the old west. Like just when you're going in between towns or going through a new town, just kind of slowing down and looking around and just enjoying the the feeling of being in the old west that GTA doesn't really have. Yeah, do you know what I got the feeling of um, from recently playing was breath of the wild yeah and gave me a very similar feeling to red dead yeah. of um just just going out in the wild and exploring and you know it's in a way that you can't do in any like urban metropolis type game no. yeah. just because of the way that it's set up but like, here you are out in the wild you very know? good games can be made from um like the, the great combination of mechanics and a solid story and things like that but the truly great games of their era are are captured by a, like a feeling that can't be replicated like and that that is one of the reasons that breath of the wild is such a like an incredible game to me is just that like i can't the, the feeling breath of the wild gives me as i play it is it's very hard to put into words and it would be very hard for anyone to try and emulate mm. um and the same is true of this there is no western game or a game that is going for um a red dead redemption style narrative that makes me like feel the way red dead does um it's one of the few games where i that and maybe the original bioshock where i genuinely take the morality system very seriously you know this this whole idea of uh you know what kind of person do you want to be in the old west do you want to be someone who like when you get a bounty you shoot the man dead on sight 
uh, or do you want to be the guy that just brings them to justice and kind of becomes an, a nice person and you actually are trying to follow that narrative of your own reformation you actually get quite invested in the character of john marston uh, by the end which is not something i can say for a gta game or your average open world game at all um, i don't really usually feel invested with the protagonist yeah i i think part of that is how well he plays off of other characters mm-hmm. and how like true he stays to himself yeah um like he throughout the game he never comes across he never talks in a way where he's like directly a good guy or a bad guy he always mm-hmm. just kind of says it straight um but he always, certainly with, um, I can't remember the name of the the female he interacts with early on. Bonnie. Bonnie, that's it. Like, you get straight away that he he is obviously a gentleman. And that yeah. anything that he's done that's... in his life where he's been a bad guy is yeah. purely been for survival and necessity. I, and you know as well, like, another thing that's great about Red Dead is that there are these self-contained little narratives in mm, it. And yeah. that, that the whole arc with, like rocking up at bonnie's farm and just like you're sticking around that that farm area for a good few hours in the game just basically helping out around the place yeah it's getting to know her and and her father and and like it's um yeah just like a nice self-contained little episode it's like a season of tv i, in I that love way. the immersive setting of those first few hours you know yeah. there's no real like oh shit like i mean the game obviously starts with the first mission of going up towards um fuck what's the name of the 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 it's a fortress basically yeah. uh you know and that kind of sets the the motive and the scene for the rest of the game and that's amazing but then after that after that first initial rush we have a couple of hours where it all just chills out and you're just kind of you know herding up cows and learning all the mechanics in a way where my, my favorite games are the ones that introduce mechanics in a way that aren't you don't feel like you're Fort Mercer Fort Mercer that's it um, it doesn't do it because I was thinking like your man's name is Williamson but it's not named after him yeah um, the games where they introduce mechanics but it's not just pops up on the screen oh press this button to do this you know mm-hmm. really gives you actually something to do uh, during that time in the gameplay mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I your, saw the way your, the game does that your, your loadout gives you great player agency with that morality system that it kind of is it would kind of be weird of the game to be like, okay, there's a morality system, but the only way for you to get somebody is to kill them dead. Yeah. So the idea of being able to lasso somebody and sling them on the back of your horse, which is also a very old west style trope, and then mm. drop them off at the to the sheriff. Train tracks. That or the train tracks, or uh, one I used to do, which is I just go out to near where the cannibals had been sighted and leave them there. <laughs> Um, and that's another thing there's kind of living breathing elements to the area where like you'll hear people talk about things they've seen and things they've heard the cannibals being a particularly good example like there's just there's, there's this hushed talk around the, the towns in in the in the west about these cannibals that live up in the mountains um it feels living and breathing in a way that a lot of open worlds don't um yeah i mean it does a lot of that through the the in-game moments where you'll be riding along and you'll see like a person is stuck because their wagon has been has crashed or whatever yeah and you you know have to make that split second decision do you keep going do you stop and then you know you, there's the rng factor of you stop and you help and it's fine or like the first time i remember that i uh, got off my horse and went over to help and fucking someone came up behind decked me in the back of the head jumped on my mm-hmm. horse and fucked off and you know that 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 kind of thing where 
the first time it happens, you immediately go, right, I can't trust anyone in this game. And for the rest of the game, every single time, no matter however, how decked out I am with weapons and health or whatever, you're always, like, when you go past someone, you have that split second where you're like, okay, do I help them? Or do I, like, stop around the corner, make sure the horse is safe? Then do I kind of come in and see what the situation is? Um, I, I love the, the implementation of that kind of thing in the game. Um, it's it's a game where it's a lot of the little things make the big the big picture. Yeah. You know, um, the the environments in the game are great because even though the old the old west doesn't grant you a lot, a, a very wide color palette, no, <laughs> it still does make the environments in it very distinct and lived in. Um, like there's definitely a, like a, a decrepitness to the the saloons and the 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 buildings in the town and the jails and there's just there's a, a breathtaking expanse to the feeling of being out riding around in the frontier like in between towns uh, and one of the other things uh that that i think is key in this game mark is the soundtrack um because soundtrack has uh, as much a role as anything else in creating the atmosphere of a game and this is a soundtrack that uh, composed by uh, Woody Jackson and Bill Elm. Uh, it, it owes more than a little to the the famous Western scores of Ennio Morricone, uh, who would be kind of the most famous composer in that genre. Um, talking about the, the how it it just like it just it just adds that little on top, doesn't it? The soundtrack how. It makes different areas feel different, and it, it gives it that authentic Western feel. I will talk about just the key thing that needs to be mentioned, and that is when you enter Mexico uh-huh. for the first time, and uh, the song Far Away by Jose Gonzalez starts playing. And I, there is no other game where I'm not immediately, like, because you come off, um, you're in this kind of big gunfight, you're on a raft and you're trying to make your way down the river to get into Mexico and there's this massive gunfight and then you finally, you know, once that's all clear and you, you step off with your horse um, and you start riding and there's no set direction, there's no, nothing to tell you, right, this is what you need to do, but the song starts playing and the sunset appears and you just you just want to keep riding, and you don't want to press pause. You don't want to stop or cut off the the, the immersion of what's going on mm-hmm. at that moment in time. I remember the first time that happened, and it gave me a genuine chill yeah. and a tingle that I've never had. Again, like I said, atmosphere is something that's like so hard to capture and so hard to emulate. And, and it happened. Again that it happened it. again when I played it for the second time last year when I was borrowing your Xbox One, and I remember that point was coming up, and I actually forgotten about the song starting yeah. and as soon as it started again i was like oh yeah it's this moment like yeah. genuinely that, that is one of my favorite moments uh, of all time when it comes to a video game yeah um i think it's safe to say that the was this a game that by the way that well, this is usually where we start off the chat i was just interested did you play this as soon as it came oh out? god yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i was the same i think by this point we were both uh definitely um converts to the cult of rockstar if something was coming out with that logo on it we were getting it as quickly as we possibly could yeah i had this on the 360 and, uh, playstation for me and it didn't leave my 360 for a significant portion yeah, of time yeah, same same here i don't think i left my room for a significant portion of time to be honest how do you sum up a game this broad this impactful? do you know what 
here's here's the thing, right? Big shoes to fill as part of that. That like this this is why we're so excited and so tentative about Redemption Two is the bar is pretty fucking high. I think part of what helps Red Dead, and I I keep coming back to to GTA. A lot of people were not that high on GTA Four. Yeah, me included. And I think part of it for me is that I ended up, I got distracted with GTA 4. I got distracted by the online mode in GTA 4. It actually took me about three to four months to finish that game because Mm -hmm. I played about 10 hours of the story and then started playing online. And then I got distracted with that for about two months straight. Uh, With Red Dead, that game and those characters and just the, the tone and the feel, I just wanted to play it from beginning to end. I wanted to just get lost in that world um, in a way that very few games have done since. And obviously, Breath of the Wild is one of those few exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of unique characters. And though you may not remember them over the years... But we're, we're intentionally not for the, the three or four people that are um, that, that haven't played through the end of this game... We're not going to talk about the, the the swerve. No, no. But it but I has actually get a quick take after yeah, this about it. But it has it has a lot of unique characters that I didn't specifically remember when I came back to my second or third playthrough last year. But as the game kept on, I was like, oh, I remember you. I remember you, the shady businessman, the fucking weird guy um, by himself. Uh, just, just. <sighs> yeah. 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 Speaking of that, again, we're not going to mention exactly what happens, but there is a like a an, an event that takes place towards the end of the game um, that very much impacts the ending of the game, and it's 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 the only real thing about Red Dead Redemption that has proven quite polarizing for people. Uh, where do you fall on us? Uh, it was great. It was brilliant. Um, yeah. I you know the reason why it's so polarizing is because John Marston is such an excellent character in a way that very few video games ever truly get that level of not gonna say emotional attachment, but there's investment in the character yeah. and there is progression with that character and their story and their mm-hmm. arc, which just a lot of video games don't get to unless yeah. they are really specifically like RPG heavily designed mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and for a mainstream, like proper, proper mainstream video game. As AAA as it gets. As AAA as it fucking gets. Uh, you don't get to the level that Rockstar achieves with Red Dead Redemption all that often. And so yeah. I think that's what makes it so polarizing. But I think that um, it's, you know, it's, it's a perfect ending to that game. I really feel that... Um, so you don't go along with people who say that maybe at that moment it should have ended and not have it continue. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. I it's look, it's the Wild West, you know. Yeah. yeah. I like I've gone a couple of ways at the time. Like I'm I'm fine with it now, but I I definitely can understand people's point of view on it and having a difference of opinion. Um, but I definitely fall on the um now like with the the being able to look back on it. Yeah, because uh, it makes it all the more powerful that you are in the character at that moment in time you know it's not just a cutscene um yeah Red Dead Redemption I don't think there really is an elevator pitch apart from it's genuinely one of the greatest modern video games 
Uh, it is, by some considerable distance, the best game that's ever been made about the Old West. I mean, some say it's probably the best game ever made, you know? There are people out there. There are people out there. Um, and if you like hearing people argue about Red Dead Redemption, do definitely look up the uh, the Giant Bombs Game of the Year podcast where they talked about Red Dead. You know, I've and never listened. Nearly all stopped speaking to each other. I've I've <laughs> never actually listened to that show before. It is gruesome. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, but anyway, uh, that's Red Dead Redemption. Mark, there's one last bit of business for episode eighty four here, and that's for you to tell us what we are going to be doing in the book club next week. Dave, I want to take you back to 2007, sort of 10 years ago. All the way back. Yeah. Uh, to a time where I was the doing... The year I finished secondary school. Uh, I would have just enrolled for university, actually, yeah, that year. Yeah, you're a year older than me. Yeah. So. Um, I want to take you back to a time where I was doing the, the equivalent of crack cocaine. All right. This game... Are we- talking about your drug problem on episode 85 no no we're talking but in a, in some ways we are episode 85 opiates in some way we are right <laughs> this game got under my skin and it never left for a significant period of time okay uh i you had to get that removed didn't you i i i want to talk about peggle peggle that's weird that we haven't talked about peggle before do you, it was like just one of those Mark Robinson games we would have talked about. Do you know how fucking much I love Peggle? Do you know how much Dan loves Peggle, actually? Lives Dan loves Peggle. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that off the air. His oh, only right. platinum is for Peggle, too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Peggle. Peggle. On episode 85 of Link to the Cast. That's going to do it for episode 84 of Link to the Cast. Uh, this podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Subscribe there. Rate us. Review. Please do tell a friend, either by going, hey you, slap them in the head, tell them to subscribe to the podcast, or by liking, retweeting, linking uh, any of our stuff here. Get it out to the masses. It all helps. Uh, link to cast.eu is the website where you can read the show notes uh, the occasional article we do um, I have already started work mark on uh, some of my ideas around um, game of the year for this year um, so you can look forward to stuff for that showing up in the next couple of months on the, the website if you want to get in touch with us drop us an email link to the cast at gmail.com uh, social media though is probably the quickest place to hear back from us facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and particularly at link to the cast on twitter individually i'm at dave ryan iv and mark is at lithium project we stream uh, over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast from time to time and archive it later on youtube just search for link to the cast we loosely have a video schedule although a couple of these series are on hiatus at the moment but we'll be back in production at some stage in the near future mondays is mark on mondays mark solo stream mark what's what's the what's the latest with mark on mondays uh, what well, was up last I, I uh this monday about 10 o'clock was like right i'm gonna stream something from the mega drive and i went to open the software that uh, we use and it proceeded to open and close and open and close and open and close back and forth back and forth so well hope hopefully this doesn't have too negative an impact on another series of ours indeed so i think i need to find new software either update it reinstall it find site no so yeah, yeah that was a problem yeah. Speaking of which, Retro Corner 64, the series where we had been, mm-hmm. uh, chronologically, uh, talking about every game, 
uh, and playing every game released in English-speaking territories for the Nintendo 64. Uh, currently on hiatus because myself and Mark, uh, kind of either one of us is busy at the weekend when we usually record or the other one of us is busy. So that's been kind of tough to get together on that one. But we have uh, a lot of videos already up there to sate your appetites in the meantime. Thursday, today this podcast goes up. It's the only thing that goes up on Thursdays because it's an hour and a half, two hours of your time taken out of the day. We would not ask for any more. And Friday, we round off the week with Friday of Plays. Nothing yet this week on Friday of Plays. I finished Oxen Free a couple of weeks ago. And I'm still kind of, there's, I think I said it on the, the show last week, I've done such a good job this year on my backlog and tempering myself not buying games I know I can't complete. <laughs> Um, so I'm kind of in the weeds at the moment trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, that would actually make a, a good series. I have an idea of one that I've, I've started playing a little bit of, so I might just quit that, restart it, and do a Friday of Plays, it's, but it won't be till next week at the earliest. It's hard to find something where you're going to play it for a good few episodes, but also feel comfortable playing it once a week for an hour or two. Yeah, that there's enough story that it makes sense to have a multi-part series about it, but not so much that you'd feel bad talking over it. Yeah. It's a tough, tough balance to strike. Anyway... That's episode 84 of Link to the Cast in the Can. I have been Dave Ryan, that man over there yawning his face off, even though it's only 6 o'clock in the evening. It was Mark Robinson, and we shall see you all next week.